0: Alexa, play 105.9 DX on iHeartRadio. Getting
1: 105.9 The X station from iHeartRadio. WXDX FM Pittsburgh.
0: You can count on that Steeler defense to be good next year. Very good. Maybe even great again. It's going to be stopped. But it can't be counted on for 38 takeaways. 38 takeaways this year. That's amazing. It had just 15 in 2018. That defense didn't get 23 more takeaways based solely on acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick. There's a lot of luck involved. Talent maximizes luck certainly, but it's Not reasonable to expect the Steelers to get 38 takeaways in 2020. Fitzpatrick is a microcosm of the random nature of takeaways. In his first seven games as a Steeler, Minka was involved in seven takeaways. In his next seven games, he got just one. Staying with that defense, the Steelers shouldn't sign Bud Dupree long-term for big money. One good season in five hasn't convinced me. But franchising Dupree would allow the Steelers' defense to go into next season intact, save the possible loss of Javon Hargrave to free agency. That would make it easier for management to concentrate on patching up the offense. If Hargrave leaves, that sucks. He's good, but it's much easier to replace a nose tackle than it is an edge rusher who just had 11.5 sacks and worked so well in tandem with T.J. Watt. You heard what Matt Williamson just said. He thinks they can keep both Dupree and Hargrave. I think that would be wonderful if they did because, again, keep that defense intact and just concentrate on fixing the offense. Ben Roethlisberger, if he is 100%, will go a long way toward fixing that offense pretty much on his own. Captain Nemo brought to you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. Boy, I never considered they could keep Dupree and Hargrave till Williamson brought it up, and if they did, that would make the offseason a lot easier. Again, though, no matter what, the Steelers won't get 38 takeaways next year. Hopefully the offense won't turn it over 30 times. That was fifth most in the league and really undid a lot of the good that the Steelers did with the takeaways the defense got, especially down the stretch. Uh, I think that Ben either fixes it or doesn't. I think if he's 100% or pert- near, he fixes it. If he ain't, he doesn't. And even though they seem sure, and Ben tweeted out, that he's definitely making progress and definitely coming back, I think that's how it looks now. I just think there's so much ground to be covered between now and then that it's very probable, and we know what the Steelers want, we know what Ben wants, and we know what we're all hoping for, but we just don't know for sure. The number to call is 412-333-9939. Uh, I think you got to fix tight end and running back. Vance McDonald just disappeared. James Conner just can't be counted upon. He's hurt all the time. And he's not very good even when he's healthy. You know, he's just a good story. Some guy named Wayne said a great tweet last week commenting how Mike Tomlin likes stories, whether it's Conner or Juju or the Edmonds brothers all getting in the game or Ramon Foster and his veteran respect. And I predicted last week, and I reiterate now, They'll keep James Conner next year for sure because he's affordable. I bet no matter how he does or if he gets hurt again, they give him a new deal and it's more lucrative than he has any right to expect because they like him. With the Steelers, liking somebody personally goes a longer way than it does with any other sports organization I've ever observed. Hopefully the D gets Stephon Tuitt back healthy next year, although he'll just get hurt again too. And here's the difference, though. When Tewitt isn't hurt, he's a great player. When Connor isn't hurt, he's okay. And that's as far as I'll go. And you tolerate injuries for the great player. Like Chris Letang. He gets hurt his share, but when he plays, he's one of the top five defensemen in the league. But, like, if Chad Ruedel got hurt all the time, it'd be Sayonara. That said, he's doing very well. I posted a story about him on the Penguins' website, so check that out at penguins.nhl.com. Let's go to Nick in the truck. Nick, you're on with Mark.
2: Hey, Mark. Great segment with Williamson. Um, I just wanted to listen to your opinion, opinion, maybe put me in my place if I need to be. Um, I agree with Williamson where you need a tight end, but I also think we need a number one receiver. I think the tight end we don't go out and get. I think we... You know we can draft a good tight end. I think in in the second round. Um, I think you I don't can
0: think draft a, a tight end and a running back that can do what they need, even not having the first round draft pick. But I don't think you can yeah. get a number one wide receiver. Uh, not not that's better than what they got, brah. Not that's more pedigree well, than what they got. That's for sure. I think Ben will fix the wide receivers. I think we need to go out and get one. Like uh,
2: I know Amara Cooper is going to be out there. I don't know how yeah, much that's money not going to happen under count. any circumstances. And that's, and then A.J. Green, you know, someone like yep, that. Not going to happen. Um, if
0: you keep naming guys like that, I'll just keep telling you it's not going to happen. And then when free agency arrives, Nick, what do you think will occur? With the free agency arriving, they're going to explode with the amount of money that we need to spend. They're just not going to get those guys. They're just not. There, I think they should bring you, back um, Lynn Swan. There's about as much chance of that happening. Let's uh, let's go to Mark in South Carolina. Mark, you're on with Double M. Hey Mark, uh,
1: I know he's not going anywhere, but I wanted to talk about the Northport Blasma. opening drive second half. James replay has a po- James Washington has a possible touchdown. Okay. And Tomlin doesn't. Tomlin doesn't use a replay challenge. Uh, TDs are a pr- a premium for this team. Why not throw that red challenge flag and have them take a look at it? Yeah, because they would have lost. 14. They would have lost the challenge.
2: You, you don't think that was a touchdown or even no no ball?
0: i do not i don't think he got his feet down with control thank you for the call you know we always complain when tomlin challenges like he challenged that spot i knew before he challenged that he'd lose that that challenge but he did it anyway i mean what do you wanted to do keep challenging lost causes that won the touchdown he didn't you know he didn't make the catch it just wasn't a touchdown Let's go to Joe in Banksville. Joe, you're on the Mark Madden Show.
2: Hey, Mark. Uh,
0: so, real quick, I, I have a 156 IQ, but it's nowhere
2: close to the gulf that separates us uh, with you up there at uh, 166. Right. Um, but the hell with the Steelers, man. This, I couldn't wait for this season to get over with. It was you know, terrible... it's, it's funny.
0: Jeff Hathorne, who does news for the B team. Yeah. He said something that I bet a lot of other media people agree with and even some fans. He said he's covered the Steelers and followed the Steelers his whole life and he's so relieved this season's over. Oh, un- unquestionably, this was just Bro, uh, When Doc Hodges was, is your quarterback, you've made the team and the season into a joke.
2: Yeah, there there was just no chance they were going anywhere and and I, I, yeah, I but they almost did, so, which is so yeah, crazy. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I I just think it's time for us to get to uh, the most important season here of uh, Pittsburgh sports, uh, the Penguins.
0: Well, you know, I feel that way, but, you know, I give the people what they want.
2: Right, right, exactly. Hey, uh, Mark, quick question. Uh,
0: So uh, how how do you think they're going to do tonight against the Senators? Oh, how can you break down one game at the end of December when the season's just halfway over? I mean, the Senators aren't very good, but they've lost the worst teams at home. Uh, in in recent memory, but uh, I think the Penguins are playing really good right now. I think it's the nature of the game after that Christmas break that you're going to see X amount of sloppiness be worked out by every team. Look at the uh, games over the weekend with Nashville. The cumulative score was 11-6 Pittsburgh. That doesn't necessarily speak well of either team's defense. uh But I think was a game they should win. And don't forget the Penguins have played. I don't have the breakdown in front of me. uh Joe, but they played far more home games than away so far, and uh, that has the potential to catch up with them in the new year.
2: Awesome, awesome.
0: Hey, can I ask you one more quick question? Very quick. Uh,
2: okay, having a 166 IQ. I, I, this is a totally different subject. What What are your thoughts on Tarantino? He He supposedly has a 160 plus IQ. Coming from
0: year one sixty six, you how do you like the guy? Well, you know, it all depends how all you that? apply that IQ and your creativity. I love Tarantino's movie. I love his dialogue. I, I love most of what he does, but it always deteriorates into a blood and gore fest at some point. In a couple movies like uh, like Inglorious Bastards and uh, the new one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he just took a factual story and rewrote part of it. And that was his major plot twist. Like in Inglorious Bastards, the Nazi hierarchy, including Hitler, gets assassinated. And in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Manson family shows up at the wrong house. Yeah. yeah. I, I like I, I enjoy his movies. Although what was that one? The, the the crazy eight or what was that one called? The Hateful oh, Eight? The Hateful Eight. Oh, unwatchable. Yeah. Unwatchable. Oh, like absolutely. the worst Tarantino movie <laughs> I've ever seen. But mostly I like Tarantino. And he's done a lot more with his IQ financially anyway than I have with mine. Thank you for the call. we got Mark Dennis and RJ on hold. we got Mike Lang talking hockey at the bottom of the hour. I am live at Cambria Hotel downtown Pittsburgh. It's right next to PPG Paints Arena. It's slightly up the hill. It's the place to go for your disability. 800-728-0227. That's 800-728-0227. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Go ahead. You can say it because it's true. It's damn true. Hey, Mark. Love the show. Thank you for making my day. Yeah. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Our our buddy Bill here at uh, Cambria Hotel downtown Pittsburgh gave me a couple tickets to give away for tonight's game against Ottawa. They're good seats, too. But I really don't know how to give them away because we don't have the wherewithal to do a draw or anything like that. So... Here's what I'll do. I'll do something a bit weird. The first person to show up wearing a penguin jersey with the name and number of a player from the 80s or 70s, 80s or before, gets these tickets. The one disclaimer is it can't be 66 Lemieux. That's too easy. Any other player from the 70s or 80s, you get down here wearing a jersey with the name and number here at Cambria Suites downtown Pittsburgh, right next to PPG Paints Arena, you get two tickets. Good tickets, too. Section 115. So if you got your old Doug Shedden jersey laying around, here's your chance to make something of it. And uh, knowing Doug, I feel like he'd be very honored. 412-333-9939. Uh, the big question today has been the Steelers were 8-5 and, and they blew the playoff berth. By the same token, they were also 1-4, and, and without Ben, and they kept us invested the entire 17 weeks of the NFL season. So given those two astoundingly contradictory factors, do you consider the Steelers' season a success or a failure? Here's how Lenny feels on Twitter. Lenny tweets regarding Mike Tomlin, Coach of the year, my ass. He stinks. 11 years and three playoff wins, another year missing the playoffs, but, hey, we have consistency. Actually, I think it's nine years and three playoff wins, but uh, I feel you. I think there's certain things you can criticize Mike Tomlin for, and very legitimately, too. I don't think going 8-8 this year is one of them, given the circumstances. Whoever made the decision, whether it's Colbert or Tomlin or both, whoever made the decision to have the backups be Rudolph and Duck, Two quarterbacks who had never thrown a pass in the league before this season, that's where the season was lost right there. The Ben injury, but also that decision. Because if they have a veteran backup, not even a good veteran backup, I think they find a way to win one of these last three games. Not that it would have got them anywhere in the playoffs, but at least it would have been something. At least it would have been making the playoffs. Four one two three 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 ninety-nine thirty-nine. Let's go to Mark on the road. Mark, you're on with double M. Hey Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Mark. Hey good segment with Matt Williamson. Always look forward to that. You guys Thank are talking you. about
2: TJ Watt. You're welcome. You guys are talking about TJ Watt. I really I'm a little bit biased, of course. I think he, he certainly deserves at least the top two with him and Gilmore, but how is that voted upon? Is that pro football writer I think that's I vote? think
0: that's uh the AP conducts the voting among football writers.
2: Okay, and then the other
0: the other part of my question, Mark, was when does that occur? Is it after the regular season or after the entire season? If you know, it's all those awards after the regular season because you okay. know not every not every player makes the playoffs, so right. uh there, there's got to be uh, you know an even standard applied. Uh, I'm I'm looking at it right here. Let me I I got the Wikipedia, and we know that's always right. The Associated Press NFL Defensive Player of the Year Award is decided by votes from a panel of 50 AP sports writers who regularly cover the NFL. But I could not see exactly here when the voting is held.
1: Okay.
0: And I agree I with you. I think it will either be TJ Watt or Stephen Gilmore. Uh, I'd give it to Watt. I bet they give it to Gilmore. But uh, I say that without a lot of confidence, I think it's really up for grabs, don't you?
2: I do. I do think it. I think it's going to be – either he or Gilmore. I
0: thought Bosa was in there for a while, but I think now it's down to Gilmore and Watt. Let's go to Dave and Mars. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Hey, Dave.
2: Yeah. um, Just thinking about the Ben injury, it's just still amazing that there's people out there that don't understand how the season was over the moment that that happened. Well, you you know know, know what's funny,
0: though, too, Dave, is a bunch of the people who didn't understand the season was over with the Pittsburgh Steelers because they kept us invested through 17 weeks, and there's a lot to be said for that. But I have to admit, even when it was 8-5, and five, I still felt it would end badly because, as a wise man once said, no Ben, no chance. Thank you for the call. Fun. Up next.
2: Going on now, only at Macy's.
0: Live from the Edgar Snyder and Associates studios, this is The X now the super genius mark madden are you saying that because you know it'll make me make fun of you yes, i love you mark but i'll be quite one slap nuts the x at 1059 the penguins at home tonight against ottawa come check it out at ppg paints arena joining me now he is the voice of pittsburgh hockey always a great honor to talk to the hall of famer mike clang uh mike that was a crazy game at home against nashville saturday and just like it seemed the Pens had blown it, they snatched two points. Like I said, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, it's been a pretty wild month for them. I mean, they've been on a tear here as far as winning games and and uh, playing exciting hockey. Really, the whole year has been like that, Mark. And uh, I'm looking forward to the second half. I mean, there's so many good teams the Penguins haven't played yet. Uh, they're going to get in uh, in a tussle with here. So, hockey should be great for the fans. Really, the rest of the way in the second half. Uh, we will at that point, I think, after this weekend. So. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining year for everybody.
0: We keep talking about Brian Rust because he keeps scoring. Three more goals in the two games against Nashville, and he shows no signs of slowing down, does he?
1: Not at all. Uh, it's pretty impressive, really. He's probably reached the uh, pinnacle of his career right now. Now he's playing. Uh, and he is, he, he, you know, I mean, he hasn't played you know every game with us uh, during the course of the year. He's only played 24 games. But I will say this for him. He's been one of the most consistent players. Uh, there's a lot of them on this team that have, that has played the same way every night. And uh, it shows in the totals. And, uh, you know, to be able to work him in and and play him with Malkin and and, uh, and Jake as they have been and to see that line respond and really just not miss a beat as far as uh, continuity and what they've been able to accomplish. But it's been pretty impressive, really, from the whole line and particularly Brian Russ.
0: Well, you mentioned Gensel, who got named to the All-Star game next month in St. Louis a little bit ago today. No matter who he plays with, he won't stop. And outside Pittsburgh, some people thought he was a Sid creation. He's certainly proven he's more than that, hasn't
1: he? Well, I think he proved to us uh, in Wilkes-Barre when he scored uh, the number of goals that he did there and then came up here and did the same thing. Uh, that's pretty impressive. And uh, that's good in any man's league, I'm sorry, with uh, you know, pretty much doing it on his own. Uh, down there, and then took over when he came here. So he is a legitimate star in this league. There's no question about it. Uh, I talked about consistency. He plays this game the same way every single night. He gives every ounce of energy that he has. Those are, you know, those are two guys we talk so much about consistency and and, and trying to see it uh, from players. But when you see the likes of the leadership that they're displaying with Brian Rust and uh, Jake Gensel, it's kind of hard for the rest of the team to say uh, I can't follow that. I got to I mean, i got to be there, and uh, the Penguins are getting responses from all their lines uh, playing the same type of hockey, and I think that's what made them really the successful team, at least at this point, uh, that they've been on the year.
0: What's your take on the All-Star game, Mike, uh, with with Jake having been named and Chris Letang uh, in that last man vote? Uh, The three-on-three tournament, boy, that's demanding style of hockey to play in an All-Star game, but three-on-three is always entertaining, isn't it?
1: You know, all-star games in any sport, Mark, uh, this, we're not alone, uh, are more of a showcase really for what your sport's about. And, uh, you gotta live with it. <laughs> That's all I can say. And, uh, you know, I think once players get there, it isn't quite as tough as everybody, uh, talks about, uh, you know, for having to not be comfortable and anything like that. It's a fun time. And then the players, I give them credit now, at least, uh, over the last few years. They've made it fun. They've made it fun for themselves in going. And I think three on three really is a, an appropriate way. You're not really too worried about, although in the betting age today, I don't know. I mean, it's quite scary <laughs> for, uh, people taking bets on, uh, games like that three on three. But, uh, quite honestly, uh, you know, the, the players have fun with it. And they can laugh about it, but, uh, it, it's entertaining, I, to say the least, at least. And I think they've got a, a stride up in that category. Uh, the old five-on-five five and the way it was played really was, I mean, nobody got touched, and it was uh, all skating, saying okay, let's go home and try and win some money. They had to try and juice it up by putting a, uh, uh, a big prize uh, prize money thing for everybody to, to, to go after as a team, and that seemed to help the cause, too.
0: <laughs> What's your take on Matt Murray's play Saturday? Uh, he made 40 saves, but he let in four goals. That's typical because I think he has great moments, but some nights he's, Kind of tough to draw a bead on.
1: Well, I would say this uh, to you. And uh, uh, the game was on the line, third period, West Side. Who won the game? He won it. I mean, he helped win it right there. He stopped everything. And that's the difference in a goal. I, you know, a I, guy can let up goals. But when the game is on the line, that's where I look, Mark. I look at any goaltender like that. That's where the, the money is made, if you will. And uh, they've gotten good, good goaltending this year from both players. I mean, it's a luxury to have at any time. They can probably go on a streak, each of them. Uh, Boy, would you like to be in a position like that where you could have two uh, possible number one goaltenders, really, in your lineup? I mean, I know Steelers would love to borrow a couple of one, uh, you know, number ones. (laughs) Yeah, one could uh, play quarterback, that's for sure. No, but I'm I'm serious. It doesn't happen very often, Mark. I mean, really, when you've got the, the ability to have goaltenders, the Penguins have had, and let's be frank, too, it's a big reason why, and the Penguins are sitting where they are. They're in a playoff position. Uh, they've gotten great team play, but a lot of it surrounds the goaltending, which uh, has given them a chance to win a lot of games, and they've responded by doing so.
0: Uh, Alex Galchenyuk got two goals over the weekend. Is that the start of something big, or is it just two goals?
1: We'll have to wait and see. I think that's the only way to do, to, to uh, sum it up. I, uh, like to, I'd i like to think that that is uh, a potential Great for him. I think he's a goal scorer. There's no question. Uh, he hasn't found the range on a consistent basis here. But fortunately uh, for him, uh, the other members of the team have been able to pick up some of the slack. And maybe it's his turn. Maybe it is to go on a streak here of scoring maybe seven goals in, in, in 10 games and uh, and add to the mix and, and make it even more of a, a powerful team. Uh, you know, I would think that if the thing was were to go into the playoffs and, and have a chance, He'd be a part of that and, uh, everybody would and have to contribute. So let's hope for his sake that he's found that, uh, scoring touch and, uh, and, and is able to continue with it because it, it certainly helps. It balances the league, uh, the lines Mark, and it makes it so much easier, uh, to play the game when you can put those four lines out and put them in and know that they can score some goals. So here's to Alex and hoping that, uh, he keeps clean shaven and keeps it all. <laughs> Putting that puck in the net would be great for
0: him. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He grabbed the raise and started scoring goals. If I were him, I'd, I'd shave every day. Uh, in that <laughs> vein of the depth, Mike, uh, Sidney Crosby, he's going to be back within a couple weeks, we think. Is there any way to quantify the kind of boost that provides?
1: Not really. Uh, I just think that uh, you're, you're going to be in a position where, uh, I mean, there's one noted spot where he's going to be so valuable. Uh, to the Penguins, hopefully. And you don't know the, uh, the effects of, of the surgery and everything that was involved. And so I temper it because I don't know, you know, what his situation is going to be when he comes back. But certainly in the face off department, it's going to be a big, a big lift for the Penguins. I mean, he's a, a guy who can, uh, you know, win solid face offs in key moments. Uh, and if he is healthy and is able to do the things, uh, in every way that he's done before, uh, that's going to be a big plus for them. Plus, He just adds another dimension to it. And, you know, I'm getting walking to me right now, maybe playing the best hockey mark that I've seen him play in his whole career. In his whole career. And he's not scoring a lot of goals. But he has been just a a moose out there as far as playing the defensive game. His effort every single night has been really uh, beyond imagination for me. And uh, he's going to go on a goal-scoring streak. I mean, they're going to come for him eventually here. But I just want to give him some credit because we've talked so much about Rust and Gensel, and, yes, they have been fantastic. But the guy in the engine that's making a role right now for a lot of this team is Evgeny Malkin, and he has been very impressive
0: to me. We're talking to Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer. He's brought to you by California University. Mike, I want to go back in time. Tomorrow's the 31st anniversary of Mario Lemieux scoring five goals five ways. What do you remember most about that performance against New Jersey?
1: Well, what I remember most about it is uh, the last goal happened at the very end of the game on an empty netter, and I didn't even realize, we didn't even realize that it was five ways, five different ways, and it took until the game was over to really realize it. Uh, it really hadn't been talked about at all, Mark, to be honest with you, uh, during the course of, uh, of the game, but uh, when it came up, you know, after it was done, it was like in the advantage of being the writer and, and writing after and writing a story, when you're broadcasting it, you're caught up in the motion and the emotion of it. And, uh, so we had to make, make amends and, and let him know at the end of the game that he scored five different ways. That's what I remember the most. Uh, and you have to realize at that time, Mario was Mario. I mean, the, he scored so many goals, Mark. So many goals that it, 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 it <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It, it. It's, it wasn't unusual for him to score five goals in a game. So it was uh, part of an exciting day and, and uh, night, and it was New Year's Eve, and uh, one that's talked about forever in the uh, the history books uh, for the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: One little uh, footnote on the empty net goal, which made it five goals five ways, namely even strength, shorthanded power play, penalty shot, and empty net. Jay Caulfield passed up the empty net to give it to Mario. That's big, and without Jay Caulfield, there is no five goals five ways.
1: Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad we that, that's Hall of Fame material there, for Jay. Seriously, I mean to give it up to give it up to the to the big man and let him score. I mean that's that's uh, I'm gonna have to talk to my people and see if I can't get, uh, give get a little nod here for Jay Caulfield and see if we can't get <laughs> him a chance to get in that Hall of Fame. That would be wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, at least maybe a picture of him passing the puck to Mario because I remember when when well, I remember what you said. Nobody knew what he did until really long after the game. It might have even been the next day for most people because nobody even thought of something like that. And as you mentioned, Mario scored five goals on several occasions. It seemed at first like just another five goal game. It, it really
1: did. Uh, and I, don't, I know people are probably disappointed in that. I think if it would have, would have been any other player, with the exception of maybe a Gretzky, that everybody would have been right in on it. But it just was Mario. You, know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was not unusual for him to do that. So uh, it's, it's, it's sort of the true great moments in Penguin Hockey,
0: and uh, one that we all will never forget. Right, Mark? Oh, absolutely, Mike. And here's something I remember, and uh, it's a name who came up two weeks ago when George Ferguson passed. The Fergie Flyer overtime goal was scored on Bob Sauvey, and if memory serves, he was one of the goalies for New Jersey, too, him and Terreri.
1: I didn't. I, we got a lot of noise in the background. I'm sorry I missed that last thing you said. Oh, what,
0: the other? No, Bob, Bob Sove was in goal when yeah. Ferguson scored an overtime against Buffalo in 79, and I think he was one of the goals when Mario went nuts five goals five ways. Him and Terraria. <laughs> that's beautiful.
1: So that's another note, a beautiful thing. It is. Let's all remember it. <laughs>
0: Now what? Now everybody's compiling their end of the decade list, Mike. What is the biggest moment for the Penguins this past decade? Now, obviously, the two Stanley Cups are a good place to start, but is there one moment that sticks out in particular?
1: Well, I can, uh, I can. For me, I mean, it, uh, the, the cups certainly. But uh, in that same vein, I can remember in Nashville when uh, the Pens won the cup, and there were three players at center ice, and they were body slamming each other, okay, just the three of them. And one was Carter Rowney, one was Josh Archibald, and the other was Jake Gensel. (laughs) And that moment for me, I never left me, and I told them all, it was an amazing thing to see those young players for the first time in their lives have have something as valuable as a Stanley Cup win. And they were body pumping, and and really it was just an amazing sight to see them laughing. And just uh, exhilarating, really, was the moment. And that's why we do games, and that's why we watch these young guys and see the success that they have. But that's a moment that really, really stands out to me personally from uh, what I saw, especially in the Cup days.
0: One, one thing I remember is Kunitz's goal to eliminate Ottawa in 17. Yep. And it took on added significance, Mike, because... We all knew kind of even then, and so did Cooney, that that was his last stand in Pittsburgh. And to see him make such a great contribution, almost on the way out the door, it was just terrific and, and very emblematic of what he meant to the team.
1: You know, I think what a uh, few people realize is how much respect that Chris Coon had around the NHL from other players of how he played the game. Uh, and he was – my highest compliment I can give to a player – is that he's a pro's pro, and Chris Kunitz is a pro's pro. That's all I'll say. Uh, and I, I was thrilled to death for him to get the goal. I had seen him do that uh, same thing. I saw that fish before, but when the night game was on the line and he was there, yes, he finished it. And uh, it just sent chills down my spine. And it, it was a, a rather long uh, season scores for that goal, So, so uh, a thrilling moment. And yes, that, I mean, that one always really stands out. But he asked me about things that I saw. I thought I'd change it up a little bit and tell you. No, that no, that's I, I great. Really that's impressed. terrific. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and say those three. Uh, dance Like Bears, uh, the one standing Stanley Cup. So, yeah.
0: Well, Mikey, thank you again for all the expertise and for another great decade. Yeah. And I figure you and I got another decade or two left in this at least. What do you say?
1: Let, let's hope so, baby. Let's hope so.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Mark thanks mike you will see you tonight that's mike lang the hall of famer always just uh you know i i talked the other day i i i talked to sid and mario and larouche after the one game and then on friday i saw sid in the parking lot after we talked for a while and i saw brian trottier that night too brian and i will be starting a heavy metal band at some point and uh you know i get to talk to mike lang and phil bork and all about the penguins and uh i get a little sentimental when i talk about stuff like that because you know, working with Mario all these years, this is what I was meant to do. And, you know, to have my life and my career intertwined with the team I supported as a kid, that's just awesome. And how many people can really say that? It's just its just the thrill of a lifetime. And even at 59, which I just turned, in a lot of ways it keeps getting better and better and better. And I still think that Sid has one more Stanley Cup up his sleeve. Him and Gino too. Not sure when, maybe soon but I really feel like it's going to happen. So thanks to Mike Lang. Mike brought to you by California University. I'm Mark Madden. Don't forget I have two tickets. I know I'm going to have to eat these tickets or maybe sell them to a scalper and pocket the money. Am I on the air? Uh, But whoever comes down here first to cambria pittsburgh Downtown Hotel, it has a Penguins jersey with a name and number on the back from the 80s or 70s, for that matter, the 60s, but it can't be Lemieux. That's too easy. Anybody with the name and number of a penguin from the 60s, 70s, or 80s at Stotlam U gets 99. Donate. Often
2: imitated, never duplicated. The Spirit Rhino Gentleman's Club. Open at 6 p.m. daily.
0: And now, the super genius, Mark Madden.
2: Mark, love the show. Double M, big fan, big fan. He's a game changer. He's a guy that makes a big difference. Ooh, that's a good
0: one. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Matt Collagen for joining me. Uh, great talk, uh... Got the current day thing going on. Talked a little bit nostalgia with great moments of the decade, and of course, Mario Lemieux five goals, five ways, uh, even strength, power play, shorthanded, penalty shot, and empty net, which took place on Jan- on December 31st. Uh, that's New Year's Eve of 1988. Just a spectacular night. Uh, we got the Hockey Night Show coming up at 5.30. Got a lot of great Penguin talking. If you're just tuning in, Jake Gensel's been named to the NHL All-Star Game. Chris Letang is one of those the fans can vote on for last man standing. I said earlier that Tanger would probably rather have the weekend off. I'm not totally sure about that, having reflected. I know Tanger uh, liked being part of the three-on-three spectacle. Uh, Was it last year or the year before? I forget, but... uh, Anyway, vote for Tanger unless I find out that he doesn't want you to vote for him, and I will keep you informed about that. I'll update you tomorrow. Uh, In the meantime, we're talking about the Steelers, and uh, I just want to make something real clear. I criticize Juju Smith Kardashian quite a bit because I enjoy it. I think he's a punk, and I know it makes all of you mad. I don't care about his Instagram, I don't care about his Twitter. I don't care about his charity work. I don't care about his TikTok. I don't care about his side deals. I just want him to catch the ball. And he was woefully inept at that yesterday in the season-ending loss at Baltimore. And uh, not great at it all year. I don't know if you've checked out Juju Smith-Kardashian stats on the year, but he caught 69 less balls than last year. 69 less balls. Now, the juju white knights say that it was because the quarterbacking what do you expect when he had garbage duck to work with except y'all were not calling him garbage duck a when he won three games b until you used him as excuse for your guy juju having a horrific season and duck was bad is bad should never play in the national football league again bad but deontay johnson did okay with duck as the quarterback James Washington did okay with Duck as a quarterback. This was just a lost year for Juju Smith-Kardashian. He caught 69 less balls, like I said. Crucial drops. A a game-losing fumble against Baltimore. And wore the boo-boo face this season as often as not. Uh, A.B. was criticizing Juju on Twitter. He called him Boo-Boo Schuster, which is actually pretty funny. That's you know a pot kettle type thing there, but uh, I got to tell you, Juju for me is morphing more every day into A B Junior. And if you don't see it, it's because you just don't want to. But the main topic, sure, is the Steelers missed the playoffs after being eight and five three weeks ago. The Steelers missed the playoffs after seemingly having a berth locked down three weeks ago. The Steelers missed the playoffs. In a similar circumstance last year, but how do you criticize them when they started one and four, lost Ben Roethlisberger in week two, and somehow kept all of us invested through seventeen weeks of the NFL season? I think it's uh, it's not an accomplishment per se, but I find it hard to really rain down criticism on the team in general and Mike Tomlin in particular when circumstances were so anti, when they lost Rottlesberger in week two. And, of course, you're blaming Ben being out and Duck being terrible for the Steelers having a bad non-playoff year. But as soon as Ben comes back last year and throws the first bad pass of the season, you'll be wanting Duck in there or Rudolph in there or Landry Jones back in there. I don't know, Cordell, Josh Dobbs, whoever. It's just, I, I, I hate the Steelers fan base more and more every day. And if all the Steelers fans stop listening because I hate you, that would be a great way to lead me into a lucrative retirement because I just don't respect the Steelers fan base anymore. I don't respect the Steelers fan base for how it white knights for a bum like Boo Boo Schuster and for how it criticizes a two-time Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. And if you don't respect me, that's too bad. I don't need you. You need me. I'm not the sports talk you want to hear. I'm the sports talk you need to hear. I am a messiah for this time. If you listen to me, you'd all be a lot better off. Not to be critical. 412 333 39 In just a moment, I'm going to tell you something unique about the NCAA football playoff. And it ain't good. I'll also tell you what I would do to fix it. That's 30 seconds away live.